welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to the Jeff Macalino Podcast. So glad you chose to join us today. Uh, I've got a uh, a great one that is both entertaining, heartbreaking, and uh, hopefully informative as well. Um, I'm just going to dive right on in uh, to this one. My guest today is Colin Hughes. Um, Colin, uh, he grew up, as you'll hear, with three gr- dreams. He wanted to be a cowboy, a pilot, and an actor. He rode bulls professionally. We talk a good deal about that. Um, he was a professional rodeo athlete. Um, he uh, also then was a pilot. I asked him a couple questions about that to, to address a flat earth, um, you know, a, a question. <laughs> and uh, uh, now he is a, a voice actor. Um, the back half of this podcast um, is uh, a, a lot more somber. Um, uh, and, um, I guess I'll tease it up front here that, uh, in June of 2022, um, he had a family member commit suicide. Um, we talk a lot. He tells that whole story. I'm, I'm obviously not going to tell it for him. He, he tells it, uh, to me, um, it is, uh, uh, emotional, um, to listen to. So there's your, your warning for that, but I, I guess you should be able to figure out that from this intro and, um, the show notes, uh, neither one of us are mental health professionals. Um, but we both, you know, talk about the subject just from our own eyes. And, um, he has uh, really focused, uh, a lot of what he is trying to do now on, um, prevention of suicide. Um, and especially uh, teen suicide as well. Um, Colin was a tremendous guy to talk with, and and I'm I don't think I'm exaggerating here. We talked for at least an hour on the podcast, and I think before and after the podcast, we probably talked for at least another hour. Um, just a you know easy easy to talk to fella. Um, so, uh, I hope you can enjoy parts of this, um, and maybe take something, uh, from other parts of this, uh, that, you know, could help you or someone you, uh, know or love. Um, so we'll roll right into this. Speaking of rolling, make sure you're rolling savings back into your bank account. You know, you can do that using Ibotta. Ibotta is the cash back shopping app that earns you money on purchases you are already going to buy. Literally, I get between 25 cents to $6, I think was the most, uh, just from a regular trip to grocery store, liquor store, or many other stores. Uh, It's so easy that even a Jeff Macalino can do it. Use the link below so they know I sent you and so that you get the uh, special introductory offer for being a listener of the Jeff Macalino podcast. And I appreciate you so much for being that listener. 
All right, uh, here's myself and Colin Hughes. All right, everybody, I am very pleased to welcome Colin Hughes to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you this fine day, Colin? Oh, I can't complain one bit. How about you, Jeff? I am doing pretty well. Uh, it's it's sunny. It's, uh, yeah, it's good enough, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing to complain about. Um, well, it's, uh, it's usually sunny out here in Las Vegas, so. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm over in Florida, so we, we're either, uh, we're either, pouring rain or sunny and oftentimes they switch every 20 minutes so or in a hurricane yeah yeah and even then the sun's only a few minutes away at any time <laughs> yeah of a hurricane oh the sun's out oh here comes the hurricane oh, again it's it's back. Back. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a bit schizophrenic <clears throat> the weather down here yeah so you um you've got quite a quite a backstory you've you've dabbled in a lot of different things yeah, I I was very fortunate in my life that I had three childhood dreams. One was to be a cowboy, <laughs> and then a pilot, and an actor. I rode bulls for 18 years, and much of that is a member of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, which is, you know, the, the NFL of professional rodeo. Yeah. And I was so it, – it, it was so great that I got to compete against – some of the biggest legends in the sport of rodeo, such as Don Gay, eight-time world's champion, Charlie Sampson, world's champion, you know, just on and on and on, guys like that. Have you ever heard of the movie Eight Seconds? Uh, yeah, I've never seen it, but I, I've heard of it. <laughs> hey, you got to watch it. Lane, Lane was a friend of mine. And at Cheyenne, Wyoming, where Lane died, uh, there's actually, you ride two times. And then after the first two rides, we call the, they're each, each time we ride is called a go-round. And with the first two, it's called the, the long go rounds. And the last go, the last day is, we call it the short go round or the championship round, which is the top 15 from the first two go rounds go into the, the championship round on the final day of the rodeo. And Lane and I had our first two bulls the same days that year at Cheyenne. And um, after our second ride, we were all back uh, changing our clothes after after our rides were done. And people were talking, we got to talk start talking about age and i was lane was 25 at the time i think i was like 33 and lane just says yeah Colin. my, my nickname was goose back in and called me goose yeah goose you're just an old fart ain't you <laughs> at 33 <laughs> so i'll tell you that that was the last thing he ever said to me and so that that's a pretty good memory yeah. after i stopped riding bulls which was actually a year later after lane died every one i got on after that just i was scared after that but then I started announcing rodeos, which got me into using my voice. And I found out that I love doing it. You put me behind a microphone with thousands of people in the stands. Most people are going to freeze. Nah, nah, nah. I'm just like, yeah, we're about to have some fun. <laughs> and it takes I recently retired. Off, right? <laughs> Excuse me. It takes some of the pressure off when there's that many people, I feel like, as opposed to like talking to a group of three people. Like that, all of, yeah, thousands. I'd rather talk to thousands than a couple. Yeah, very true. Yeah, you're right. Never thought of that, actually. Yeah, it's a weird, I don't think everyone's like that. I don't think most people are, are like that. But, yeah, but I have most that people don't want a group of any kind. <laughs> well, yeah, but, that's uh, true. <laughs> and so that was, that was the first dream, rodeo, was cowboy. I'm a retired airline pilot, recently retired, so I got to live that dream. Then the third one, being an actor, I'm now a voice actor. I have an agent who's also 
hoping to get me over in front of the camera sometime, hopefully. Nice. So well, I've, I've been privileged. I've gotten to live out all three of my childhood dreams. That's great. And it's, it's not, um, I, I love that you had those dreams. You did all three of them. They're, they're not related to each other. I mean, they're not like, oh, I wanted to be an actor and a, a writer and a comedian. Well, yeah. Okay. But yeah, you can do all three of those things in the same, but like being in the rodeo, being a pilot and being an actor, those are three very distinctly different well, there's, fields. There's a, there's not a ton of guys at rodeo that have their their pilot's license, but there 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 are some. It's a great way to travel to rodeos. Well, when um, mm. I first started going to uh, pro rodeos, there's a friend of mine named Wayne Hall that had his own Cessna 210 that we traveled together in his in his airplane going to rodeos. Donnie Gay that I mentioned earlier, eight time world's champion bull rider. He now he's He's retired, you know, he's, he's older than I am for trying out loud. <laughs> Sorry, Don. <laughs> and he owns a Cessna 310 now. He's got several thousand hours under under his belt of flying time. Wow. And George Paul, who was a legend of the sport of rodeo years ago, actually died in an airplane crash flying his own airplane. Mm. And so there's actually quite a few cowboys that, you know, not commercials, commercial airline, or, or, you know, not flying for the airlines or anything like that. But there have been more than me that have gone on to the airlines. No, it kind of, I feel like it kind of makes sense in a field yeah. where, like rodeo, where I, I feel like there's a lot of just uh, individuality and, and kind of ruggedness. And I feel like that kind of thing is like, well, why don't I learn to fly myself? I don't want, nobody else needs to do it for me. Feel like that kind of it's a personality fit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I've never talked to someone who's been a, a I guess a professional cowboy. Would that be the or rodeo? Yeah. <laughs> um, rodeo athlete, if you please. Rodeo athlete. There you go. Yeah, that was actually when I was at the uh, high school national finals rodeo in 1975. Hey, I'm really getting my age away now. <laughs> that. Um, the uh, local newspaper, Gallup, New Mexico, came out and interviewed some people, and I was in group of the uh, that was being interviewed, and that was actually a quote from one of the other guys: "Is rodeo athletes, if you please." <laughs> <laughs> well, I always i've I've never been to one, which it it I've heard it's a blast to go in person. Um, oh yeah. But everyone's seen it on TV. And the one thing, uh, mainly the thing I think of is the, the holding on to the bull. And, uh, you know, while it bucks and all that. And I always, I guess you're the perfect person to ask this question. Um, there's, you know, I, I always wonder, are they counting in their head? Like, are they trying to keep track how long? Or are they just holding on for dear life and they'll figure... They'll tell me when I'll, I'll, I'll when I fall off. I'll know what time, how long I held on. Is no, there... it's not time. It's not a time limit. It's, oh, it's a not. sporting limit. Yeah, it, you ride for eight seconds. Oh, it is eight seconds. Yeah, no eight, what. eight second ride. Now, if thus the title of the movie with Lane, right? Eight seconds. So and... you do, it, but obviously you do need to stay on for eight seconds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If if you come off before the eight second whistle or horn blows, uh. It's no score. Gotcha. 
But here, here's what's cool about that, though, too. And I, I've gotten some scores out of it by this is you can be in the air or on the side of the bull coming off as long as you haven't touched the ground or the tail of the rope has not left your hand. Because when you when you ride bulls, it's a rope that's that's uh, braided, especially for riding bulls. There's a handhold braided into it. And then a long flat tail that goes down to the loop and then pulls back up. And when you take, when you got it set where you want it, you take that tail and wrap it around your hand. Now, let's say that right towards the end, the bull jerked the rope out of your hand. But if you still have that tail in your hand before you hit the ground, or if you haven't touched the animal with the free hand, I mean, you could be this close to the ground. If you haven't touched the ground or the bull, and that whistle blows, and you still got that tail, it's an eight-second ride. <laughs> so, But while that eight seconds is going, are you are you kind of counting to, to know no. how long? Or you just no. like, I'm going to hold on until I can anymore and hope I go eight I seconds? Just, all I think about is is watching those shoulders and moving and, and doing what I'm supposed to do. That's that's all I did. It's, it's, uh, and because the head's going to go where you're – your body's going to follow where you're looking at. Hmm. Yeah. Now, do <laughs> this is always the most ridiculous thing that's popped into my head. And again, you're the first uh, rodeo athlete I get to ask this question to. You know the bars with the mechanical bulls and, you know, usually oh, it's, you just want the girls to go on and, and, and watch them do it for obvious reasons. But sometimes guys do it and usually the person running it you know, cranks it up a little bit when guys are on there because no one wants to see a guy do it. But I always wonder, like, if I if I were one of those guys who did this professionally, I would go on there and just, like, hang on for, like, five minutes and just be like, I'm the coolest guy on the planet. Now. Uh, no. <laughs> do, do any... Do, well, is that a pickup move for any rodeo athletes? <laughs> that, that, that bucking machine at a bar all originated with uh, the movie uh, Urban Cowboy mm -hmm. with John Travolta in a bar that was owned by Mickey Gilly. You know, just Gillies was the name of the nightclub. And my rookie year in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, a bunch of us went down to Gillies during the rodeo. Back then it was at the Houston Astrodome. Oh, wow. Yeah, before the Astrodome was, you know, wherever their big – big sports arena is now i don't even know what the name of it is now but minute made maybe i don't know but it I don't, uh yeah, i don't remember <laughs> but a bunch of us went down to gillies and you know here's all these local guys you know thinking they're so hot and stuff gonna show up to their girlfriends and and they're slapping their faces like this is big time serious bull riding you know and <laughs> i'm standing there you know as a, as a rookie in the prc I, I was nothing but i'm standing there with guys who you know, top, top 15 bull riders in the world and <laughs> world's champion bull riders standing right in this group, watching these guys. And all I could think is these guys are slapping their face and acting like they're all Mr. Cool hot dog kind of guy. And I'm thinking if these guys only knew who was standing over here watching them, they would feel like complete idiots. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I wish one of you had just shamed those guys somehow. 
<laughs> but it must, I, well, mean, I think they were actually having a competition that night, you know, so you had to be entered. And so I'm, oh. I'm guessing that the entries had already closed on it. So, you know, we, we, we didn't make the closing on, on the entry deadline. So <laughs> I would, I would love that one day. Some guy who thinks he's hot shit. Cause he, he can hold on to that bar Bronco for a while. <laughs> and then just have a, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go up there and take a nap and I can do double your time. <laughs> But of course, well, I, had a, I had a friend that, uh, and when I was doing high school rodeos and stuff, when we were, you know, out of high school, he turned pro before I did. And I was uh, down at Fort Worth, Texas rodeo, the Fort Worth, Fort Worth stock show and rodeo. And there's a little carnival and stuff there outside of the arena. And there was a vendor that had one of those bucking machines. And this guy's name, I was actually asking a friend of mine today about him on Facebook, ask if he's still around where he lives, which is in Winterset, Iowa. His name was Tony Walcott, just a little bitty guy. And this guy was, well, he was sticky. He could sure ride. And here's all these people getting up on this. It's big crowd watching too. And Tony got up there and he just, he did. He showed them all up. Is, um, I, I'm sure I'm lying when I say this, but last question about, about rodeo. Um, I, I always, um, I've hung out with athletes in, in different sports previously, and I worked in Major League Baseball. Um, and there's always some kind of athlete that each group of athletes makes fun of. Meaning, like, you know, hockey players and football players, I imagine, make fun of baseball players for being wimps. You know, they, they don't get hit like us. Their bodies don't go through what we go through. They swing a bat. They jog to a ball. Uh, do, do rodeo athletes when they're in their little, you know, locker room, their little, you know, circle, uh, uh, together, is there a particular sport that you guys pick on or, or well, we, we do it within <laughs> our own ranks. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's, we call them two ends of the arena because it usually now the, the riding, riding events or rough stock events, as we call them, bareback riding, saddle bronc riding and bull riding. You know, they're out all out of the bucking chutes. And there's the timed events, which at most rodeo arenas, the timed event shoots for calf roping and steer wrestling and team roping are usually at the other end of the arena. And so, you know, us rough stock riders, you know, we'd, we'd make fun of the timed events and timed events would make fun of us rough stock riders somehow. It was all in good fun. That's one of the things I really like about rodeo is it's, it's truly family and give you an example of how close knit couple couple examples here let's say that there's two guys battling out for the world's championship now the top 15 money winners throughout the entire year go to the national finals and at the after the national finals is over the person who's won the most money throughout the entire year including the national finals rodeo in in his perspective event is the world's champion and the national finals rodeo has 10 go rounds, 10 performances, 10 go rounds. And you get, you get on an each and every performance. So 10 nights against the toughest stock in the entire country and the entire professional rodeo Cowboys association. And it is, it is hard on a body. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine. But in each go round, I think this last year, 
and it's always the first full week of December in Las Vegas, Nevada right now. Contract is due to renew in 2025, whether or not it stays in Vegas is most likely probably will because Vegas isn't going to let it go. They've had it for, I don't know how many years now, but so, but each go round will pay six places from first down to sixth. I can't remember what the sixth place pays, you know, a couple thousand dollars maybe, but first place in one go round is like $27,000. And then we call it the average, the person who has the highest average score you know, combining them all out and averaging it out, you know, so many points on, you know, anyway, the yeah. guy that wins the average gets a check for close to $70,000. And so let's say you've got two guys coming down to the final go round, the 10th night of the national finals rodeo that are just within, you know, a little bit of one winning the, of one winning the average or the other one winning the average and sewing up the world's championship. You don't have to win the average to be the world's champion. You just have to have the most money at the end of the year. Hmm. But uh, let's say they're both, you know, first and second in, in the world right now, and the guy that does win it is going to be the world's champion. Now, if the first one goes out, it could be his traveling buddy that, that could beat him. And let's say he's got a good, really good score, made a really good ride, and if his buddy made a higher-scored ride, he was going to win the world's championship. But after that first one goes out, he'll go back there and help his friend. You know, that's, that's just yeah. the way it is. It's, and give you another really, really good example. There was a guy when I first started going to professional rodeos that scared the daylights out of me. He's a saddle bronc rider. And this guy was tough. He was, you did not mess with Bobby Brown. Everybody knew you don't mess with Bob Brown. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm just this scrawny kid back then. And Bobby, he's pretty, he's pretty stout. And he just, you know, he's the kind of guy, if you're walking down a dark alley and somebody's trying to roll you, you want him right there by your side because so what? Bob, yeah, go ahead, handle it. <laughs> yeah. And he, I was terrified of this guy when I first started out. And uh, 2015, I had uh, my oldest daughter died of cancer. But I, um, uh, a little while before that, I'd put up a post on Facebook with a link to the GoFundMe page that I started help raise money for her to try to get into the um, Cancer Centers of America for treatment. I mean, it wasn't two minutes that I had that post up. Bob Brown calls me and he says, Goose, what's going on? You know, we, and we talked for a little bit. And as soon as that phone call was ended, he was the first one to donate. Mm. And I was, I cried like a baby. I, I just, I touched my heart so much. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's, that's what rodeo people are like. Yeah, that that's uh, that's good to hear. I like when uh, I mean I, I I feel like there are there are certain sports where that's the you know y- you want to beat them, but you still want them to do well, kind of thing. Yeah. It's not like I want you to suck today so I can win. It's I want to do better than you, but I hope you do great. It's, you yeah, kind of like if I, I I try to teach my my son this because he you know. It's a bit of a sore loser with like bowling. I'm like, no, when you bowl, you want to bowl a 300. You want the guy next to you to bowl a 299. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> you know, when I go golfing, I want my the guys I'm playing with to hit a hole in one. That would be so cool for me <laughs> just to yeah. see one. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? it, it's it's in in rodeo. You're not so much competing against the other people. 
but you're competing against the animal. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That, that's I did think it was funny. You said you were you were afraid of Bobby Brown. You you didn't say you were ever afraid of uh, of a bull <laughs> or the animal. <laughs> I'm like I oh, think I would there, only there, be afraid of the animals. <laughs> the, there was one bull that scared the daylights out of me when I had him drawn. My rookie year in the PRCA, 1980. Boy, I'm really stating my age, Ernie. <laughs> there was a was Bull Mike Survey Rodeo Company, and Sydney, Iowa was a town that had, you know, one of the biggest rodeos in the Midwest. And I didn't live far from Sydney. And when I was a kid going to high school rodeos and stuff, I'd go and watch Sydney because all the greats in professional rodeo would go to Sydney because of good paying rodeo. And so I could not wait for the day. When, when you join when you join the PRCA, at first you get what's called a permit. And you have to win so much money on a permit to earn your card and become a full member. And not all rodeos would let permit holders compete there. And Sydney was one of those rodeos. No permit holders at the time could enter Sydney, at least not in the bull riding. So I could not wait to get my card and work as I called it my hometown rodeo. And my first year on my card was 1980. And there was a bull called, um, it's called HR. And this bull was so big that they had to leave the butt gate behind him open and put a rope behind him because he wouldn't fit into the chutes. And at Sydney, they're one of the ones that uh, last rodeos had these big wooden chutes instead of the, you know, the metal, metal chutes like you see it on, um, if you ever watch the PBR. You know, yeah, they've got yeah. the metal shoots and they talk about, oh, that metal shoots. You know, but, you know, back in the days, it was big wooden shoots. And that's what Sydney had, these big old planks. And now most guys, when they get on their bull, if they have their hand on the top plank of the shoots, they're reaching up here. Me, I'm on him. My arm is down here laying across the top of the chute. <laughs> He's so huge. Jeez. Yeah. And shoot boss. That day is called got uh, Mark Baker. We just all, always called him Bake. But so I was talking about talk about the rope. I pulled my rope. You know, I had the guys pull my rope. I took my wrap, and as I started to slide up on my hand to get in position, this bull just starts easing back against that butt rope like he's getting ready to use that to slingshot out of there. And I'm reaching down for the tail of my rope to undo my wrap, and I was looking up at Baker, and I almost said, "Bake, I don't want to do this." I was so scared. And the next thing I know, you know, he's saying, come on, goose, get out of there. He's not going to stand like that all day. And so I just, I jumped up on my hands. Let's go. And he usually left a lot of guys sitting there right in the gate. And I think he threw, threw me off at about seven and a half seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's uh, and these bulls are smart. The reason, the reason he got me off then is because he was doing this walking on his front end, which is trying to put you down on the bull's head. And so instead of pulling on my rope, I had to stay off his head by pushing on my rope. And he felt that. And as soon as he did, back the other way he went. And off I went. <laughs> they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they, they're smart and uh, they're strong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this bull was probably ever been at 2,200 pounds. Most bucking bulls probably around fifteen to 1,600 pounds. Yeah, he was huge. Um, huge. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing I will never do. Um, 
<laughs> Kicks dig bull riders. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had low back surgery at 25, and I didn't ride bulls. So I think that, that ended my roller coaster and bull riding career, um, <laughs> you know, uh, prematurely, we'll say. <laughs> Although, uh, even at that age, probably a pretty late time to ride a bull for the first time. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I have a the weirdest question in the world. Um <laughs> It just popped into my head because obviously you're you're the first guy I've had on the podcast uh, that I can ask any questions about rodeo. So you get every every dumb thing in my head. Um, you might be the first pilot as well. Um, so I've got a weird question that's not going to make sense. But so I guess a precursor. Did you do any international flights? Uh, the airplane I I flew was uh, we didn't go over the water. We did uh, United States, Canada, Mexico, Cuba, and the Bahamas. Gotcha. So you yeah. might not know. So, <laughs> but you, but you, you would probably know other pilots who could attest to this. I had someone on the podcast. It was a very popular episode, but let's say there were some holes in his argument. He is a flat earther, uh, and he insisted that pilots who flew across the globe could vouch that the earth was indeed flat because that is absolutely <laughs> incorrect. So you didn't have your, your pilot friends that, that flew across the globe who would say it was flat. They didn't you just don't get even have to fly across the, You don't even have to fly across the globe to, to, to know that. Because, let me give you a really good example. When I was, when I flew charter, I was flying on an airplane that would, get up to 45,000 feet or as, you know, pilot lingo, flight level 450. And one night to save fuel, the higher you go, the less the fuel burn. And so we were trying to make, you know, the fuel stretch a little bit. So we went all the way up to 45,000 feet. And it was just, we're going into Denver, somewhere out of Florida. And just as the sun was rising in the east, I could see over there, I could see the curvature of the earth. I could see blue skies on the horizon, the red and the orange and the yellow, you know, the beautiful thing you see of a beautiful sunrise or sunset and the black, the blackness of night all at the same time. There, there you go. All it's been debunked. No, <laughs> yeah. you can definitely see the curvature of the earth. It's not, it's, you don't have to fly around the world to do that. You just have to be high enough to see it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because I, that was the one thing he said. I'm like, well, I guess I should ask a pilot because everything else sounds a little hinky, but, but I can't say that that's a lie until I actually ask. So <laughs> it popped I, into my head. Wait, I've got a pilot here. <laughs> well, here's an, here's another, think of this though. If the world were flat and let's say you're, you're flying an airplane around the world. And you went from wherever to somewhere in Europe, going east, stop and fueled, and then you continued going east, you know, however many stops you have to make to go completely around the world. And there's been people that have done that. Oh, How yeah. can you go around the world if it's flat? Yeah, that, that's where uh, that's where every pilot would know, because his explanation to that was that, like, you flew like this and you just zip no. back here. 
you, you, you don't know. actually fly east and west you fly like this and you just oh, yeah. yeah no it made it made very little sense but i'm like He's like, oh, but pilots who talk about it, they get they get taken away, and you never hear from them again. I'm like, hmm, well, <laughs> you talk about a, consp- a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. So, so folks, either Colin is in on the on the conspiracy, or there the Earth is in fact round. Well, I, let me <laughs> let me tell you about one conspiracy. Please, chemtrails. They are true. Really? There's a switch in. See, the government will approach people and they pay us a premium for how much chemicals we disperse. I mean, I had one month where my my, chem, my chemical dispersion check from the government was, was almost $40,000 in one month. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> no. It's not chemicals no we're not no it's vapors (laughs) oh yeah and the funny thing is i am a full-blown i love conspiracy theories but some of them i'm just like i want to hear you out but (laughs) i love i'll I'll say this though my favorite thing about conspiracy theories I love to talk about them and and take them as far as you can take them because I do feel like they're good brain exercises. Like, okay, well, if this is the case, why would this be the case? Who who is doing this to who, and what benefit is there to this group? Uh, so I enjoy that part of it. But yeah, some of them it's just like, oh, I, I'd love to be on there with your with your uh, with your flat flat earther guy sometime. Oh yeah, he. Um, was an interesting, interesting fella. Not, he was very nice. Um, maybe not to, uh, he was nice to me. Not, not, I, I know other podcasters who have had him on and they've not gotten along quite as well, but I'm, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm willing to listen and, and all that. So <clears throat> not endorse it, but I'll, I'm willing to, <laughs> to be clear. Well, I have just debunked it for him. Thank you. I appreciate that. Again, I'm taking advantage of the rodeo, the pilot. These are things that that uh, have not. I've I've really. They're just like just hanging out there in the Jeff Macalino podcast universe, left unanswered. So I'm just nipping. And chemtrails is another one. Just just nipping those in the bud right now. Just years later, <laughs> you'll see a lot of pictures floating around on the internet with pilots where on the overhead panel, you know, where there's switches for various different things. You know, it would be photoshopped where one of the switches will say chemtrails. <laughs> so you get to choose what cities you're poisoning. That's yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I've posted that a few times as, uh, yeah, we get we get paid from the government to flip that on at the right times. I, yeah, I, I actually love that premise for some sort of comedic uh, scene in a in a movie or something where it's just like, my ex-girlfriend moved to Birmingham, where over Alabama hit that damn switch. Let's kill this bitch. <laughs> We're just going to fly back and forth. <laughs> uh, it's not to poison people. It's for mind control. Oh, mind control. Yes. Well, yeah. still work on an ex. <laughs> D- different result, maybe. But <laughs> um, oh, Yes, well, thank you for uh, for... 
<laughs> ending ending the speculation of uh <laughs> of the five people who were on the fence. Um <laughs> See, I told you this is why we get to the not serious stuff first. Yeah, it's like Golly, I heard that that fella, he ain't right. That pilot, he don't know what he's talking about. I could I walked the entire earth. That Colin Hughes is in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that that might be that might be the answer. He's he's in on it. He's a conspirator. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's such an idiot. Why does he listen to this guy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I get that a lot though. Jeff's such an idiot. What? <laughs> um. Uh. So, Colin, I did want to talk to you, obviously, um, about uh more serious uh, a, a, a yeah. very serious topic um frankly uh one that i've talked about before on this podcast uh several times um and uh you know i've i've told the story vaguely of my own battle with depression and near suicide um and uh Obviously, um, it's the most serious to me as far as looking at mental health in in the world today. Um, it's hard to put into words, and I guess I'll preface this conversation just for obvious purposes that neither of us are me mental health professionals or uh, anything right. like that. But obviously, um, we'll we'll talk about. Um, some places you can go and, and they'll be linked in the show notes if you are dealing with depression and, and having thoughts of suicide. Um, but you obviously uh, have had it hit real close to home personally. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of give you the floor on that and, uh, you know, talk about what you're doing with that now. But um, start anywhere yeah. you'd like, obviously, with, with this. You know, I already mentioned that I, my oldest daughter, in 2015 died of cancer you know you hear a lot of people say that that to lose a child is the worst thing that you can experience oh with my daughter you know we knew it was coming was it painful oh absolutely but on june 10th of 2022 i got a a phone call from one of my daughters you know, came up as caller ID from, from this daughter. And so, Hey, what's going on, honey? And it was her, <clears throat> it was her husband on the phone. And, and the instant I had heard his voice, I thought something's not right. Mm -hmm. And he told me that my granddaughter who was 15 at the time had just had, they found her that morning dead that she had ended her own life and you know of course i instantly just started moaning and wailing i mean it was i've never screamed so hard and in, in grief in my life because my wife and i had gotten so close to her we took her to hawaii when she was 12 years old and we'd been been to our home and and 
you know, we've gone, taken her to Universal Studios with her and her brother. And we just, just so, so close to her and just, and uh, that pain was far greater than the loss of my daughter. We don't know why she did it. And all I could think is, why didn't she call me? Why didn't she call me? Because there's before, I, I don't know how many times, you know, when I was flying before, before I retired that I would get, you know, she'd call and leave a voicemail. Hey, grandpa, I just wanted to say hi. See how you're doing. Or, hey, grandpa, my brother's bugging me. Could you call and talk to him? <laughs> and things like that, that. And I always told her if she ever needed some something, you know, if any, if she just needed somebody to talk to, you know, couldn't talk to her mom, that she could talk to me about anything. And, and she didn't. She hung herself and her mother had to cut down her own child. And so, you know, it, it was extremely painful for me, but I can't begin, even, even with all my grief, I can't even begin to imagine what my daughter was going through. They uh, recently just bought another house to move out because my daughter works from home. And to get to her office in their current house, she has to walk through that room when my granddaughter ended her life. She has to walk through that room every time she goes to her office. And it's, we'll probably never know why, but it is the, uh, the most pain I've ever felt in my life. But it also opened my eyes up to something. You know, I told you that, you know, I announced rodeos. I love being behind the microphone. It's really great. But I always wondered why I have this gift. This gift of of communication, of, of public speaking. You know, I've done some motivational talks in the past. Announced rodeos. Even done a little bit of stand-up comedy. And it, it was just amazing. But... Throughout my entire life, there's been times where I should be, I should not even be walking the earth now. When I was a small child, we're on a picnic near this lake in Iowa, Lake Manawa, Council Bluffs, Iowa. And I was in the water and got caught in this little whirlpool motion in, in the lake. And uh, I don't know how old I was, like maybe five or six, something like that. And I was fighting and kicking, trying to get out and gasping for air, terrified. Then all of a sudden, this hand came out of nowhere, grabbed my arm and pulled me out of the water. And I looked up, you know, I didn't know what to say to this guy except, and what he said to me. And I went running back to the picnic area where my family was at. And I told my parents, my mom says, Oh, there's nothing like that in the water here. You, you're just, you're just imagining things. So I go running to the camp, to the picnic area where I saw this gentleman go back to and tried to find him to take him over to talk to my parents. But at that picnic site, nobody knew who I was talking about. 
You know, I described him, what he looked like, but nobody knew who I was talking about. I couldn't find him. When I was uh, going to some rodeos one year, you know, a lot of times guys will catch rides with different people. I just happened to catch a ride with the stock stock contract, the people that provided the the animals for, for rodeos. I'd worked one a rodeo of theirs, wherever that was, and then going up to another rodeo in Minnesota. So I just thought, yeah, I'll just catch a ride with them. So I was in the in the cab of this semi. We pulled off along the side of the road somewhere at a small country store in the this convenience store was across the street where we we're just going to get something to eat and then just go on. And I'm standing in front of this semi truck getting ready to step out to cross cross the highway. And I'm, we're, we're talking a highway, not not a street, but, you know, speed limit, probably, I don't know what, what it was, 60, 60, whatever the speed limit was. And I'm just getting ready to step out and somebody yelled at me, Goose, get back. And I looked around, took a step back and I could just feel the whoosh of a car going right in front of me. If I would have stepped out that car, however fast that car was going, you know, that was it. I, and there were, you know, a few other times in my life that things like this had happened. So, my, so once I discovered my love of the microphone, I always wondered, why have I been given this gift? It's not just to announce rodeos or do comedy. That's not it. Why, why have I been blessed with this? And why have I been saved so many times? And even through all that pain that I felt, I mean, within the first 30 seconds of that phone call, it popped into my head. Now I know why I'm saved. I'm supposed to be here to help people to save their lives, hopefully. At least try to. And so I'm on a mission now to, you know, I've started my own podcast and it's pretty small right now, but <laughs> hopefully it'll grow. It's called um, the miracles of tragedy. So I've been through several tragedies throughout my life, but each tragedy, there's all, also been what I call a miracle attached with it with the, um, and you know, I could, I can get into the stories, but it just, and in that podcast, you know, I also, the first of it talks, you know, I dedicate it to the memory of my granddaughter. And now getting on podcasts with other people, I'm putting together a, a program for going out into public, do some public speaking with it to be an advocate for suicide prevention. What you mentioned, you know, people, if they feel that they, uh, that they're in a, in a traumatic event like that, if you feel like you're doing it, there's a number, yeah, the suicide hotline that it used to be a regular phone number. Now it is so easy. Nine, eight, eight. If you are feeling that desperate and you feel you don't have anybody to talk to, call or text nine, eight, eight. And people are standing by to be there for you. That number again is 988. Oh, and if I haven't mentioned it, that number is 988. Yeah, pretty pretty uh, easy. Yeah, to, to remember and uh, can't be said enough. Um, and it is, I mean, 
the the saddest thing um is that i think at least for myself and for other people i've talked to who ended up not doing it for one reason or another um uh, my very first guest was a comedian who who literally got a call while he had a gun in his mouth from the guy who sold him his life insurance policy and he said hey i just have a question if i committed suicide would and he said no not for another three months so he said okay i need to wait three months and and then by then he realized this was stupid um my own story was was that i got a phone call from my mom and i told her i was going to do it and i she didn't talk me out of it so much as um i realized that she would blame herself because she spoke to me before i did it and i said I'm just going to wait a week because I don't, I, I can't put her through that. I'm going to wait a week. She's, you know, by the time a week came, it was like, oh, that was, that was not, why would I didn't, you know, whatever, whatever was going on in my head, it had kind of, I'd kind of worked my way through it. I'd talked to people and stuff like that too. I, you know, it just was um, just something that I was like, oh, okay, well. Now, weeks passed. Now I don't. I'm not going to do it. Why would I do it? Um, I? And that's how how much just being able to talk to somebody. I I know exactly what you're talking about. My experience with it was after um, my first marriage ended, mm. and I thought, you know, there's nobody out there can really love me and things like this because I was I was not a good person with her. I you know, I was following in the footsteps of my alcoholic and womanizing father mm. and to so, follow as a husband <laughs> no it's no 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 and then after the marriage ended which i know is 100 percent my fault i was just you know full of shame and just wanted to end it you know i was trying to you know get deeper into into you know following following god and one night I bound determined I was going to do it. And, but I had one question and that's what happens to my soul after I do this. Mm. And so back then there were this, this wonderful advanced technology called pay phones. <laughs> you could put in a quarter and dial a number and somebody would answer their phone on the other end. And then even take it a little bit further, there was a kind that you could drive up to in your car and talk to somebody from the privacy of your own car. I mean, that was just amazing. It's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called a local church leader and I asked him that question. And he just said, uh, you know, he's trying to find out where I was, and I knew why he was. I knew he would try to find out where I, where I was. That's why I didn't call from home. Right. And he just told me, he "says You give me fifteen minutes, and if you're going to do it, there's nothing I can do to stop you because I don't know where you're at." And that was my entire plan. Says, "Please, just, just let me, just talk with, just." Hear me out for 15 minutes. And then he told me, 
you would be so missed if this happened. This is, I love you. The people, the people in my church family says that they love you. And just the other day I talked to, I talked to this one person. Says, you know what? Brother Hughes, he's so cool. You know, I always light up when he's around and told me all the stories about different people, you know, he'd talked to in the congregation of how, of how much they cared about me. And I just, I'm still here. So. Yeah, and it's, I think one of the, the haunting things is the refrain that everyone's heard a, a hundred times when someone they know, or even a, a famous person, you know, someone they, they know of, right. uh, you hear so many of their loved ones, friends and family saying, I, I never would have guessed in a million years yeah. that they were thinking this way, um, which again is... is part of the reason that i mean look it's i'm sure it's a large part of the reason why you started your podcast um it's it's part of the reason i talk openly about it um i don't think that was the case 10 years ago let alone 20 30 40 50 years ago people openly talking about having these right. vulnerable feelings um and i still think there's some people and i think you know stereotypically it's been you know older not older men but men you know just men who don't want to admit any weakness um yeah. and uh i do think it's you know as as a you know i've got a 10 year old and a 12 year old and they're getting close to that teenage age where I think you're kind. I think they teenagers go through that similar time period where they don't they can't show weakness um, you know, because their other kids are terrible, uh, not right. all of them, but a lot of them. So you show weakness, they're going to drill and bully you about that as long as, you know, forever, you know? Right. Um, and, and I, you know, obviously kids are kids. They don't generally, generally mean, uh, to be as bad as they are about things, but I mean, look, when I was a kid, um, I remember in high school, my friends used to, you know, they, they, we'd always tease each other. One guy we made fun of because he was fat. Another guy we made fun of because of, uh, of his girlfriend or something. Um, my friends tried to tease me by saying they were going to, you know, sleep with my older sister. And I'm like, that's fine. She could use a nice guy. Then they said, oh, your younger sister. And that pissed me off. So that was always the dig is, you know, <laughs> once you find, even these are people who love me to death, but once you find something you can needle someone about. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that teenagers are all evil people because they, they do that. That's just part of, you know, how, how you, you know, form relationships. But nonetheless, you know, it's one of those things where you never want to expose a single vulnerability. Um, and it is something that, you know, I, I don't know that there's a, well, there obviously isn't yet, although I assume dialing 988 is, is probably a good start. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do wish there were an easier way for especially young children uh, who feel that way to have an easier you know, method of, of reaching out to somebody, you know, confidentially so that they can feel comfortable saying whatever they need to say. Um, 
because I know I yeah I, I'm I, I'm someone who talks about this on my podcast. I've gone on other podcasts and talked about my own issues. And I would bet a million dollars that if my kids ever had that thought, they would not talk to me about it one at all. Yeah. Um, which which saddens me, but also I'm I I think I'm being realistic, and it's it's, um, so yeah, I I don't really have a a solution in mind, unfortunately, but I uh, it, it's just a. Well, I, I I can get into that. That I think what will help here in just a moment. I realized why my sound was off a little bit. I I actually don't have, I'm it's going off of my computer's mic and not my expensive mic because I forgot to plug it in. <laughs> I have made that mistake. <laughs> Almost said. There we go. Does that yeah, sound any yeah. better? Yep, I got you. <laughs> yeah, it's a computer microphone compared to Sennheiser. MKH four sixteen studio microphone. Yep. Let me uh let me share with you one thing that I think is it's not a cure for it. There's probably never going to be a cure for suicide. Right. But it's gotten so commonplace, it seems like almost for a lack of better terminology in these days, because it's uh in Nevada between the ages of twelve. 26 it's the second leading cause of death nationwide it's the third leading cause of death between 12 to 24 26 year olds because the brain's not completely developed yet and there's and it's not also not a lot of it is, is not you know the type of people like you say it's not the type of people that you think will do it you know it it's the kids that are getting those great grades Kids that are, you know, star athletes, different things like that, that, you know, they've just been pushing themselves to achieve so much or their parents, what's well, so your report card? You got a B minus. And then the kid comes home and says, he has a C. He says, Man, I, I can't tell my parents. They're just terrified that, you know, their whole world is going to come crushing down. They don't know how to cope. Mm-hmm. This world today, so many people don't know how to deal with the pressures of life. Yeah. And not just that, it's there's so much negative in the world these days. Cyberbullying, it is on and on and on, you know, the the riots and of 2020 and the uh, the hate speech that's going all around and it goes on and on and on. And so many people think that there's just, they don't, they aren't truly loved. I grew up in a home where I felt that I was not loved. So I know, but you know, I'm telling, you know, if, if anybody is in a situation where they feel that they, they're not loved or there's nobody they can talk to, find somebody, you know, I'm not think you know, I'm not saying, you know, the, the gang down at the, the, the crowd of people you hang out with down at the street corner or whatever, something like that, or not your friends. Cause sometimes friends will say, Oh yeah, you know, I thought about it too. Maybe we should, but find somebody who's reasonable and responsible. If you can't find anybody close to you, find a church, find a synagogue, find a mosque and find a, a, a church leader, you know, a leader in the community, a, a recreation center, anywhere, 
and talk to somebody there. They will help you. They, you can find love in those settings. Mm -hmm. And if you can't find love anywhere else, just, I love you for crying out loud. Don't do it because the pain you're going to leave behind. I actually, just a few minutes after I got the phone call, I came into my sound booth and I, I have this cause I'm a voice actor now. So it's my, my four by four cubicle that I work in every day. And I did, did a recording of me talking about my feelings and it was, it was pure, raw emotion. My wife can't even watch it. It's, it's so raw. And in my public speaking, I plan to have, you know, on a slide presentation, I plan to have a portion of that, that video, you know, to show people that this is what you will leave behind. This is the pain. This is the grief. This is the hurt that you're going to leave behind. You may not think anybody really cares, but people do care. And and the guilt that we feel sometimes, you know, why didn't she call? I feel guilt from that. I feel like right now, normally, this is the first time I've talked about it where I wasn't, you know, tears falling down my cheeks. And I'm saying, why am I, why am I not crying right now? I should be crying. In confusion, it's. It's the most horrible thing that the the loved ones of somebody can leave behind. It's it's horrific. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Yeah. It's uh, it, yeah, and one. You know, one thing that, uh, that that came to my mind as as you were saying, find someone to talk to. Um, as a, uh, I I say this m more from a friend than a family perspective because I don't I don't know that people would open up to family necessarily, but um, and maybe this doesn't go for for youth but maybe with with older people when when you have a friend and and you just notice something may be just a hair off don't be afraid to reach out and ask them how they're doing oh yeah I mean yeah do not be afraid you know just ask them and and don't and especially parents you know if your child comes home says how was school like fine don't settle for fine no, yeah. Or, eh, it was okay. Don't sell. Well, let's talk about it. Why was it just okay? What do you mean by fine? Yeah. You know, anything anything different happened today? What good things happened in your life today? What about negative? Is there anything that you've been feeling bad about? Anything bad happened today? And if they start being standoffish, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's where you got to dig deeper. Because you can tell they're not telling that there's something that they're holding back on. Yeah. No, that's that's and, and you know what? That's one of the things that again, I, I wish everyone would make an effort to just train yourself just a little bit. I, you know, one of the things I I refer people to a lot. I mentioned him. I don't know that I mentioned him by name, but Frank King, the comedian I I mentioned earlier, uh, he did a TED talk about 
suicide prevention. And one of the things in his presentation is if someone is suicidal and they're talking to you, here's three things you do not say to them. <laughs> um, and I think when I talked to him, I added another couple. Like, don't be like, oh, there are people worse off than you. That's not going to help. <laughs> That's not no. helping the situation, you know, don't, you know, but it's things like that, that I, I, the average person I don't think realizes, yeah, yeah, that's not, you might think that's helpful, but it's not, I promise you. Um, no. And also, uh, you, you know, I got something when my son was in second grade, I want to say, or third grade, he came home with his teacher, maybe even younger than that. And it addressed the, you know, and obviously kindergarten's a not not really the age you worry about this specific topic, but it addressed the normal kids will say, it's fine, it was good, it was okay. Um, and then, what did you do? I don't know. Uh, and most parents, and, and this is the this sheet, which changed the way I communicate, especially with my son, uh, was like, don't ask how, you can ask how was school, but don't say, don't, you know, what did you do? I don't know. Don't stop there. Exactly. Little questions like, and uh, did you, did anything funny happen today? Anyone make you laugh? And, you know, yeah. uh, with my son, it's what did you do in PE? Did, did you, what game did you play? You know, just things like that will just get them talking. And before you know it, yeah. you know, after a while of doing that, then you say, how was school? My son says, oh, uh, my friend told me a funny joke at lunch. And uh, we played football, and I got in trouble because I tackled too many kids in PE. And <laughs> yeah, but it's like I don't even need because we're just in a routine now. Where yeah. how was school? If you don't answer me, I'm going to ask you five follow up questions. And it's those little things that that uh, you know. But again, if I had not, as silly as it is, if I had not gotten that sheet, I don't know if just those simple little cues of like, did you laugh today? What what was funny? What made you laugh in school? Um, you know, again, do, did you get upset about anything? Was there, you know, did your, it, do, you yeah, know? It's, it's especially, especially with youth, it's, they need to know that they can talk about anything with mm -hmm. their parents. A parent is not there to be a friend. A parent is there to keep their children safe, to take care of them, love them, nurture them, protect them. Not to hover around them, right, not right. to be their best friend. Yeah, you can be friends, absolutely. But there's times that you, that you, a parent has to act in the manner to where, first, their children have to feel safe in coming to them, because, you know, let's say that super student kind of kind of person. They have to know it's a safe place to talk about that low grade. That's how they learn to cope. Well, okay, so you got a low grade. That's not your norm. But here, what can you do? What can you do to do better next time? Not for you gotta see my you gotta get those grades up here for the next you're gonna be studying every night until that grade comes up. There's no no computer games, no this, no that. No. That puts them in the frame of, oh, man. But it's working with the child to make them feel safe to talk about it, no matter what it is. And uh, it's a child has to know they can talk to their parents about anything, anything. It has to be a safe place. 
Yeah, and 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 know that you can be honest. It doesn't yes. mean you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, as a parent, creating that atmosphere. And you know, I, 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 one thing I mentioned before, and this was more focused in adults, but I feel like kids could very easily, probably more easily, fall into this. Is I do think one one thing that I noticed with my own life, uh, I've I've often said my my everyone who's had suicidal thoughts needs a plan to deal with if they come back. Uh, and mine's always been a safety net. So I'm open about it. I have friends that I will openly talk to if I'm feeling starting to starting to feel things creep in. Um, but even you know, so my friends know to not just take a eh, it's fine from me without at least falling up a little bit. And one time I was starting to slide into it. It was how, how's the job? Oh, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Anything going on in your dating life? Oh, that's even worse. Uh, what you know? What 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 do you got good going on? Well, the Saints are having a good year, so there's that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What when this? What about when the Saints season's over? Hmm. <laughs> I haven't really thought that far ahead. Life's gonna really suck then, huh? Um, but I I think that's the example with the kid with the grades, where everything relies on these grades. I might hate everything else going on in my life, but as long as I get these grades, I've got this, and then one B. They think their whole life's over, and what you know. You, you live in Florida, and you're not a, a dolphin fan. No, no, my, my or a jaguar is. fan. No, no, or a bucks fan. No, <laughs> I'm a fan of the other Tampa teams, just not the, just not the Bucks. I yeah, <laughs> I've I've got the worst story as to why I'm a Saints fan. I was I was three years old, and my favorite color was gold. That's <laughs> not really a long story. <laughs> and well, I'm loyal yeah. as hell. <laughs> well, well, I took entirely too long to explain that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> and I, I liked black better than red. That's why I'm a Saints fan, not a 49ers fan. So, <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Colin, I realize I'm looking at the clock here. I've kept you a long time. Uh, oh, I'm enjoying it. It's it's you're fine. Okay, yeah. So um, before I let you go, um, I want to ask you, I know you've got uh, a website. Well, I think you've got a couple websites, but you, one, you know, I guess tell my listeners uh, where they can find you, but also if you want to kind of start off maybe with, I know uh, it's stopsuicide.life. StopSuicide.life and StopTeenSuicide.life. It's the same, you know, it'll bring up the same material. And, um, but, so. um, I'll still put both links in the show notes. Okay. (laughs) And, um, let's see. And then, of course, my my podcast, which, eh, it's pretty meager right now. (laughs) The Miracles of Tragedy. Miracles of Tragedy, and you can find that anywhere you find podcasts, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Um, how, how long have you been doing it? Well, I started uh, it was August or September. Oh, okay, so you're, you're still and in the And I still only days. have like <laughs> six or seven. I've got a whopping six or seven episodes out there. 
And my 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 goal is to get it, you know, like it come out on a weekly basis from here on out. But it's it's hard to find people sometimes because the premise of of my podcast is people who have had tragedy in their lives, but out of that tragedy, they found a silver lining, something positive or, or even a miracle. Like the death of my daughter got me close to my, my oldest granddaughter. She was 12 at the time. Cause my, it's a lot longer story. It's uh, my children have been in and out of my life because, you know, I had lots of reasons. Anyway, I was not a good guy years and years, years ago. <laughs> well, people can change. And uh, then, uh, so I was to that, so I'm close to that granddaughter. She's in college now and doing wonderful calls me and texts me all the time. And the death of my granddaughter, I had another grandchild come into my life, 16 year old granddaughter that this child is just so <laughs> bubbly and just, we text almost every day and just so much random stuff. She texts me, just makes me laugh like crazy. And so from the loss of that grand granddaughter, I gained another good relationship from a grandchild. So just that's why the miracles of tragedy, but I'm trying to find people, you know, had tragic moments that, you know, found some really good, positive, good stuff in their lives. And I think the first person I interviewed, she told me there was two times in her life that she took 200 to 300 sleeping pills. Ooh. And woke up the next morning that didn't even have to go to the hospital or anything. She was just fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> so I'm, I got to weed them out and it's not always that good. So if you know somebody who truly has had a tragic moment in their life and found something really good afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after I hit stop, stay on. I've got some names I can toss your way. Uh, okay, cool. compiling a list in my head as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that woman either has some super metabolic powers, uh, or <laughs> she wasn't taking sleeping pills, or I mean, even if she took aspirin, you'd probably have to go to the hospital. I think she might be related to that flat earther you had on. Oh, that yeah, would explain man. everything. <laughs> the pills were flat. That was. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Uh, um colin um yeah i will uh i'll definitely be checking out miracles of tragedy and uh, i'll link everything of course uh in the show notes and of course uh uh the phone number 988 and if, if, <laughs> and if if you've got a good story somebody out there grandpa at stop suicide dot life gotcha Write that down correctly. Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa, <yeah>, you know. <laughs> uh, Colin, thank you so much uh, for for uh, for talking to me. Um, uh, you know, uh, had a good time, and then you know, obviously, in in uh, an enlightening time uh, uh, talking to you, and uh, keep keep on doing what you're doing because I do think that's. You know, it's one of those things that you think you just if if one person hears it and it and they think, yeah, maybe I should talk to someone. You know, that's that that by itself, one person would would mean 
that much of a difference to to me i'm sure and to you and to to anyone else so keep keep right. up what you're doing man thank you so much i appreciate your time jeff absolutely thank you hey that's it that's all hope you had a ball thank you so much to colin hughes um video of this will not be put on youtube um not because of colin uh of course but um i may have been tearing up a little bit uh during uh that talk uh <laughs> so uh but thanks again to colin check out his website and please you know I'm not trying to preach, and again, I'm not a mental health professional by any stretch, but, you know, if you think something seems off with, with someone you know you love, reach out to them, just to ask if they're okay, and let them talk. Um, that would be my suggestion, but you can get a lot more advice. Um, he, of course, gave the, gave the number to call if you yourself are having issues, and uh, just please reach out, talk to somebody, because you're going to be way too missed, whether you believe it or not um all right um hey i'm well rocking and rolling right now on uh my newest venture i'm co-hosting the man show live now uh we do have a lot of a pretty lively chat room uh even though we just got started during our live shows those are between six to seven eastern monday to friday except for uh we've been starting at seven on wednesdays uh in the early going um, you know, we're still just kind of building the show up. Um, and, uh, I hope you, uh, give it a subscribe on the YouTubes. And if you can't join live, you can always check out the video afterwards. Uh, but your subscription would be very, um, welcomed. Um, speaking of, I hope you also subscribe to the Jeff McAlino YouTube page where you can find Drunk Jeff Eats, uh, and, uh, podcast clips as well. Uh, and some other things are getting cooking there. Uh, thank you to the 1,200 plus who have already subscribed. And I hope uh, many, many more do. Uh, and thank you for listening to my podcast, of course. Especially if you made it this far, you get a bonus sticker. Just shoot me a message and I'll send you a bonus sticker in the mail or something. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be paying a lot for stamps if a lot of people stay tuned this long. Uh, but do please help me out. If you're on Facebook, follow the page, like the page. If you are on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I'm trying to do some TikToks. I, they're painful, but I'm trying, uh, give me a follow there as well. And if you can, please rate this podcast on IMDb, Apple, especially, and Spotify, because those all help so much. Uh, and they make me feel like, uh, you know, I'm a special little angel or snowflake or whatever the hell. A lightning bolt? Maybe I'm a lightning bolt. I think I'm confusing my metaphors here. Uh, ooh, oh, I think I mentioned already, but in case I didn't, women want everything. Um, was told that uh, it's getting close to having a final cut. May have a premiere, um, I assume, you know, a private premiere, you know red carpet, all that bougie stuff, uh, coming up in late March. So right around the corner, uh, of course I'll keep you tuned in tune, tuned up. What's the, I don't know. Uh, easy for me to say. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, especially on social media, if not always in the intro, outro. I'll probably have at least one episode where I talk to some people from Women Want Everything, the movie. Uh, and I think that's pretty much the only thing it is. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a, a whole lot of others. Uh, poof, I think I had more to say, but I just can't think of it right now. Got another good one coming for you next week. Um, I, uh, I had to, in full disclosure, my, my microphone has been a pain in the butt. Uh, this episode, uh, I had to go back and amplify all my audio cause it was like a, a mouse squeak, uh, in the background. And next week I, I thought I fixed it to being normal. Uh, no, I was blowing out the speakers. So now I have to edit all my audio to quiet it down. I don't like to edit at all, but I have to. It's like I'm a real professional podcaster. And boom, it's over. Thanks for listening. It was amazing. <laughs> I I loved it. Be sure to come back for another great episode. I'm one wing away from Jeff Macalino. Of the Jeff Macalino Podcast. How much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast? You want to just straight, that's my name. I'll add the word podcast to it. Yep. See you next week. Mm-hmm.